Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. Under the Radar to me means authenticity, not being filtered. It's a window in on the local stories that touch our lives. And there's a huge void in the traditional media covering this new faces of Boston. You may not be looking for a particular story, but when you hear about it, you're engaged. Under the radar means ahead of the curve. It's also perspectives. How does this particular story affect a community or a neighborhood? I'm Callie Crossley. This week on Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, a leaked President Trump memo. And how will the Trump travel ban affect Latinx immigrants? And is the recently pardoned Oscar Lopez Rivera a hero or a villain? We'll discuss that and more in our Latinx Roundtable. Later in the show, how First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt's special relationship with AP reporter Lorena Hickok molded her life and legacy. Our February selection for Bookmarked, the Under the Radar Book Club, is Massachusetts author Susan Quinn's Eleanor and Hick, The Love Affair That Shaped a First Lady. But first, joining me in the studio, Julio Ricardo Varela, digital editor for the Futuro Media Group and the co-host of the In the Thick podcast. He's also a contributor to NPR's Latino USA and the founder of the website Latino Rebels. Welcome back, Julio. Hey, Callie. Glad to have you. Marcela Garcia, bilingual journalist and an editorial writer, columnist, and editorial board member for the Boston Globe. Hello, Marcela. Hi, happy to be here. I'm so glad to have you. Let's just jump right jump right into a piece that uh, both of you pointed out to me. There is a leaked order that could come to pass from President Trump, um, which focuses on legal immigrants. Uh, Marcella, you wrote an editorial about this. So would you sum it up for us and then we'll dive in? Yeah, basically, if if we remember to not last week, but the previous week's events. This is exactly what happened to the, you know, when the travel ban order was signed, you know, 5 p.m. or 4 p.m. on a Friday afternoon. This order had been leaked a couple of days before, but everyone was focused on, back then it was the wall and President Peña Nieto, the Mexican president, and this and that. And so nobody really paid attention to to the leak until it was signed, the, the executive order. And now we have these leaks again, these documents that have been circulating among, um, you know, Trump administration officials. And basically, it really broadens the, the reach um, and severely restricts uh, work visas. Um, you know, foreign-born people, we're not even talking about undocumented immigrants here. We're talking about foreign-born people. Um, who are working, who are, and then he particularly targets um, foreign-born people who have um, used public assistance, Mm -hmm. Um, housing assistance, SNAP, you know, the food stamps benefits, Medicare. So it's, it's unclear how that would work, but it's worrying and concerning and deeply troubling that this is already in the minds of, of, of the Trump administration officials. They're trying to figure out how to, how to go at it, perhaps, and we may or may not see an executive order signed, but these really tells you or signals, um, you know, it's, it's a troubling message that they are thinking way beyond unauthorized immigration, and it, it really... It really calls into question what he has always said. He had been saying in the campaign that they were against illegal immigration, not legal immigration. Well, no, 
This this absolutely confirms that they are going after foreign-born people, whether you are working in the Boston Globe, whether you are working, you know, as a maid or whatever. They, and you're they, legal. And, and you're legal, and you're right legally to, yes. doing it. And mind you, I mean, the, the thing that we read in the editorial is that, you know, public assistance, if you're a legal immigrant, you are, have been paying taxes and you are you are like you know entitled to that assistance and even if you are an undocumented immigrant some of them most of them pay taxes as well without ever seeing anything in return all right but we're not going to confuse that because reading yeah, the I comments know. to your editorial it says the globe constantly confuses legal and illegal this conversation is talking about legal immigrants now let me lead into the question to you julio in this troll in the grove just gotta just i want to make sure everybody's voice um <laughs> One of the things that people may not understand about Jeff Sessions, who's up for attorney general and is a key advisor to now President Trump, uh, Jeff Sessions stood alone in the Senate as someone who was always against legal yeah. immigration. Yeah. So this has a lot of Jeff well, Sessions let me give you, fingerprints yeah, on Yeah, let this. me give try to give a little context to all this. And again, we are dealing with a leaked memo. So as a right. journalist, mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, there's a lot of leaked things that are happening in the in the Trump administration. and And... But but it so no one knows if this is going to happen or not. But it does reveal thinking that has been happening in Washington D.C. for years. So, um, for example, if you hear the name the Center for Center for Immigration Studies, which if you really start digging into the history is 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 built by this man called John Tanton, who in the '80s was actually part of like the Sierra Club and Planned Parenthood, and it was was kind of like against sort of the browning of America is the best way. And the New York Times wrote an excellent piece. Just Google it. Probably, I think it came, came out around 2011, 2012. Gives you a lot of the history. But this type of thinking of the CIS, Numbers USA, um, FAIR, which is, I believe, the Federal Association of Immigrant Reform, these are all sort of like clouded terms. And it basically comes down to this. No immigration, low immigration. So um, you see some of these ads. You might have seen some of these ads in the past. You know, Numbers, you know. So there is a thinking in Washington that's been going on for a couple of decades that lobbying people like Jeff Sessions or Congressman um, Steve King, uh, the Republican in, in, in the House of Representatives, to say that there's too many immigrants in this country, right? So when, when, when Trump started saying these things in the campaign and people with the, the Mexican rapists and criminals, a lot of the Trump supporters, and Marcella was saying it right, it's like, no, he's not talking about the people that are here illegally. Of course not. What are you talking about? He's going to respect it. Um, it's really important to note that that, that type of thinking that comes from, from these organizations that have been part of Washington for decades, and a man like a voice like Mark Krikorian and Jessica Vaughn, who have actually been been interviewed on GBH, I mean, they've as as sort of low immigrant, no immigrant. The 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 Southern Law Poverty Center has called these groups uh, essentially hate groups, and you can look at that as well. But but the point being is like that was what we were all thinking about Trump, right? That he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna hurt like the legal ones. Um, that's you know that's these okay. memos like you just don't know, and right. so it, I think there's a bigger issue here about immigration to America that doesn't come. You know, new immigration is not a good thing for America, and it's un-American. And that, that to me, is a very dangerous, dangerous consequence of all this. Well, let me just point out, with regard to the leaked orders, um, first of all, and it's only been two weeks, but uh, the history, the short history is that that which is leaked 
does become true uh, in <laughs> in large part in the next few days or so. Um, secondly, that which is leaked, maybe they're looking for a little bit of feedback, but it doesn't appear to be. It appears no. almost that it's locked down by the time it's leaked. Thirdly, there's a lot of people inside leaking everything, which uh, is kind yeah. of amazing, yeah. uh, given that um, there's that's a lot not of leaking something... going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, no, but he's you got know... his team there, so you would yeah. think they could stop these leaks. You uh, know what's somewhat. more worrying yeah. about me? Let's say these executive orders do not become, um, you know, they, they don't get signed. The problem is the message that they're sending. And and government officials, the bureaucracy, as we as we saw with the travel ban, <clears throat> they get a message that all of a sudden that they've been vindicated or, or the, you know, let's talk about the travel ban a little bit. The Customs and Borders Protection Agents are, are tasked with, you know, getting everyone in. When they see these orders, you know, they they all of a sudden, you know, think that they can do whatever they want and that they're, you know, that all of a sudden they have this government that is sending this message that no legal, no illegal immigration and, and, and they become so emboldened. So if, you err, on, if yes. you err on that side, you're probably OK, right. given that. Right. That's, right. The, that's the general Right. Like we're away. seeing people yeah. being detained or not letting and beyond the seven countries. You know, Colombia already has restrictions. Anyway, so, you know, I'm, I'm digressing a little bit, but the point is that the message being sent from this administration is, is very troubling. And, and, and again, regardless of whether they get signed or not, we, we shall see, I guess. Yeah, I, I think, again, you got to look at this from the no immigrant, low immigrant yeah. sensibility. Like, those are the people that are advising the Trump mm-hmm. administration. Right. Jeff Sessions is advi- like he is that the chief law enforcement official of the United States. Chris Kobach out of Kansas, who was the architect of the, you know, Arizona SB 1070 laws that have, that were copycatted all over the country, all over the country. These are the people like look at the Border Patrol people. These are all new voices that believe in no immigration, yep. low immigration. So it's a bigger it's a bigger concern if you really start looking at it from an like purely Amer- if we look at America with like a big A. Right. Like this is really attacking the values of America. And particularly since, you know, we're a nation of in- immigrants, as, as many people now in the streets are saying. Um, my guest, Julio Ricardo Varela, he's he's digital editor for the Futura Media Group and co-host of the In the Thick podcast. And Marcella Garcia, who's a bilingual journalist and editorial writer, columnist and board member for the Boston Globe. We're discussing uh, first a leaked order by uh, President Trump. I just want to segue a little bit to a piece that uh, you highlighted, um, Marcella, about legal immigrants in Everett, that's Mm. here in Massachusetts, concern based on the kinds of things that have been raised. And this is before the leaked order. They were just responding to the travel ban. (laughs) This is all in the context of the travel ban, which we're going to discuss more in a second. But I just want you to mention the concerns there. Again, I read the comments to your piece about Mm -hmm. that. People saying, well, if you're legal, you don't have anything to worry about. Well, speak to that, if you would, because that's that's what uh, is the general census on the comments anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Just a little bit of background. Cristela Guerra, the, um, the reporter working on this, she had been assigned this piece before the travel ban was, you know, like th- these concerns were already there before we even right. started talking about the travel ban. Right. And so. I think again the the thing that that worries everyone is it's you know the 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 environment and the atmosphere is that of fear like if you're a legal immigrant like people say first of all people don't people don't understand what that is like 
People don't understand. People think that, and when I say people, is the average American who has never had to deal with the immigration system. They feel like they just came in, stood in line, and within it's uh, like it's like being at the deli, right? Like, that, and then you get yes, and then you get your green card. Right. For most of these people, the process has been a grueling one. Years. You know, f- years yeah. and mm. years and years. And you could have been, you know, through a work, you know, through work, employment-based, whatever. You, but, but they fundamentally have this, you know, this tense relationship with the immigration system already. And so when a president like Trump comes and starts doing these things, you don't feel safe at all. At all. Again, I've, I've been seeing reports of people, you know, Colombians, Argentinians, who all of a sudden the State Department is directing, you know, the, to restrict their visas, tourist visas that had already been issues. Right. I think that's the most worrying thing before everything, you know, before the Trump administration, any restriction that would happen travel visa wise would be like from now on. This is like retroactive. Right. You know, if you already have a visa, you don't know, like if you are from Iraq, it's no longer valid. It's no longer valid. So you already had it. You already went to the trouble of coming to MIT, to Harvard. You were accepted. And all of a sudden you are being sent back. So that's the problem, too. Like, you don't know if what you already have is, is OK. It's OK. I remember this is within the first days of Trump winning. People, um, Customs and Border Patro- um, Protection agents were telling people, at the border, you know, like at border port, uh, port of entries, get become a citizen tomorrow yeah. if you can mm. become yeah, everyone... a, because they knew what was coming. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people understand, um, Julio, how many people are here legally but they had not yet gone through the yeah, citizenship. But not only that, because that's another way. But not right. only that, it's also with green yeah. card holders. Yeah. Yes. Well. So one of the yeah. things that you know, <laughs> my my um, my boss and in the thick co-host and you know Mariana Hosa for Latino you're saying in the thick. Um, she was on MSNBC with Joy Reid um, last weekend, reminding people that a green card doesn't guarantee anything, guys. Right. And As so this, you're deportable. You're Nordic, deportable. It's like, if you commit it, a crime. So, yes. so all this, like, I, I understand the protests. I really like. Believe me, like, there's something to be said about all these protests that are coming out and the powerful images of you know people praying in in Brooklyn, the Yemeni bodega owners that were in Brooklyn last week, like in in a group prayer. Like there's power in that, no doubt about it. And and but the fact that really like man, maybe doesn't surprise me, you know, during you know the Super Bowl mentality of America, is that no one knows about this. So it's like, oh my God, green card holders might get banned. It's like, yeah, do you want to talk about the stories of how many people have been detained? Green card holders coming from countries like Colombia, Venezuela, like, you know, Mexico, like you can name them all. And or, or just and also like actual U.S. citizens who might not have who might not fit the narrative of like you're an American. I have I have stories. I know friends. I know people that have said they've been detained by custom borders mm-hmm. uh, customer. I mean, I have Puerto Ricans who they're, they're custom border agents in L.A. that didn't know Puerto Ricans are American citizens. So yeah. the guy had a Puerto I have Puerto Ricans now who are American citizens saying I am no longer traveling with my Puerto Rican driver's license. I'm taking my U.S. passport from now on. That's the that's the mentality that this is creating. It's not just, you know, you can talk about Muslim bans and, you know, the threat of, of terrorism, which, you know, that all that. But but it really is seeping into a deeper sense of fear among all immigrants. And 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 perfect example, we in the thick, we had Boston City Council President Michelle Wu um, in our recent episode, literally talking about 
why Boston is becoming a sanctuary, why we we're, why we're digging our heels as a city with Mayor Walsh, because we know what drives a city right now. And what drives and a city are immig- immigrants, immigrant labor. So going back to the mm-hmm. uh, sorry to the RPs is that fear, right? Like th- there was a, a woman interviewed who is a legal resident. She didn't even want to say her or, or you know her be last, quoted yeah. by her last name because they know that they can be racially profiled. They know that they can be, and that's the other thing that perhaps average Americans don't understand that the border the border agents have complete discretion. They, they, they can do whatever they want. They can they can you know confiscate your cell phone and get you on anything and they can take away your green card for nothing. Mm-hmm. Because again, as a green card holder, as a permanent legal resident, you have to be like permanent legal resident for a few years before you can become a citizen, number one. But in that period of time it's it's almost like you're on probation. Yeah. You know, if if you get you can be deported. You can be perfectly deported. And so they they will take and these people know that because they, they, they've seen it happen in their communities. And no matter, you know, doesn't matter if you have the green colder, they're still afraid. And so it, it's real. So let me uh, talk about a policy that uh, Obama, uh, President Obama changed in his waning hours that has impact on this conversation. We've been speaking in the context of President Trump's travel ban. It is not called a Muslim ban. It's a travel ban, <laughs> which does have a focus on majority uh, populated seven countries, but the, it is called officially a travel ban. And uh, for those people who have made this clear many times because they're unhappy with media that seems to suggest that it's very long term, it's for three months officially, though some in the White House have indicated, you know, offline that this could go on indefinitely. For Syrian refugees, it's indefinite. But for the other members of uh, the uh, people coming from the seven countries, it's three months. So I just want to put those facts on the table so we're talking in the context of some facts. So in his waning days, uh, President Obama stopped what was called wet foot, dry foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and this gave Cubans an advantage. If you got it uh, in a boat and got to America and the minute your foot was dry on American soil, you were in. You didn't have to go through any kind of the kind of the stuff that we're talking about that some people who've immigrated from other countries have to worry about. Now, other people getting in a boat and coming, like if you're coming from Haiti, not so much. This only applied to Cubans. Uh, President Obama in his last day said that's that's uh, wrong and uh, unfair and I'm stopping it. So now there's some indication uh, that maybe President Trump is going to reinstate or yeah. they don't know but there's a lot of Cubans holed up on the others they got caught literally in Mexico oh, yeah. literally Mexico. in Mexico yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Julio, so, so um, what are you hearing was well it, my friend yeah. I have to say um Francis Frenchy Robles we call yes, out of New York right. Times we actually interned <laughs> shout I, I out shouted out 1989 <laughs> we interned together in the Boston Globe so she is um, a you know she's a great reporter and does amazing work for the yes, Times she um, but she wrote a great piece about sort of these Cuban migrants who are now in Mexico, the moment, like, literally the moment Obama says the order, like, you can't come in. Now, that has been a very controversial topic amongst, like, Latin Americans in general, because this whole immigration privilege of Cubans fleeing political violence and, and whatever, there's, I can name plenty of countries in Latin America that there's many people fleeing political violence. But what's really interesting is... That Marco Rubio, the Florida senator, right. who uh, was actually critical of Rex Tillerson 
as the Secretary, Secretary of State. State. Thank you for and me. the moment like this happened because Obama signed it, Rubio sends this very hard line memo of like, no, we got to push this. There's a part of me that thinks that if Trump, if the Trump administration reverses this, it, I mean, how hypocritical of a message would that be? Like all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, Cubans still, the Cubans, what about, you know, even refugees and asylum seekers, like the Central American migrant crisis, there's kids, like there's like no one, no refugee can well, come in. Well, let me in. just ask this question. No one can it, come in. I get that. But let me put it to you this way, because okay. there, he has said he might make exceptions for Christians yeah. coming from the yeah. seven countries. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if he's already saying I might make an exception in that way, this could be an but exception. But that's a religious exception. Why is that? So if you're a Cuban, so if you're a Cuban Muslim, but I'm just pointing to the exception. Yeah. So no, if you're no, a Cuban, you, a Cuban you know. Muslim, you have to convert to Christianity. No, no, no. But I'm saying that he could say I've already made an exception. I think he's sowing the seeds, and I mean, I think it's sowing the final point. Yeah, I think he's sowing the seeds for the future. But you know, if if anything can be said about Trump is that he just does not care about a lying to your face and b then walking back a, you know a previous lie and then replacing it with another lie so i can very well, my point is that he can do he can very well do this you know and defend it however he wants That's to correct. defend it yeah, they're making the up things as they go yeah you know so i don't think the problem is that like we can spend yeah, you know the president can do whatever they like one of the things immigration lawyers like to remind people and 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 people are listening to the show there's plenty of immigration lawyers are saying if you're part of these countries or if you're like have a green card don't travel oh yeah, yeah, yeah right. oh, but yeah. one of the things yeah. that immigration lawyers will tell you and a lot of people don't know is that the president of the united states in the end can do what well yeah because that's foreign policy yeah and whatever the president are, wants yeah that's right they and that you know you can change the, the challenge the constitutionality That's the in court. The reason which, you want to be president, so right. you can do these things. Yeah, and yeah, so he you know. he he may very well do this, and we can point out the uh, hypocrisy. We can point out yeah. the the contradictions, the conflict. But at the end of the day, you know he probably do it because he wants to throw a bone to his Cuban supporters. You right. know, and he wants to. And, and so it's politics. Yeah, yes, they, right. they are very. Strong, but there's so. plenty of people who are going to see. Th- like that's the thing. It's like there's you say it. It's right. You people will see the hypocrisy. Yeah. But I agree with you. I mean, it's it's. It's, it's obvious. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and I am here with the feisty Julio <laughs> Ricardo Varela of the Futura Media Group and Marcella Garcia of the Boston Globe. Feisty. Feist, feist, hashtag feisty Julio. <laughs> That's right. Um, so we've been talking. We mentioned, just to just want to get your take on this, we mentioned the whole sanctuary cities. Massachusetts has a lot of sanctuary cities. They're under fire on other places. They want to be clear that uh, the Springfield mayor came out and said Springfield is no longer a sanctuary city. Uh, but Amherst, Boston, Cambridge, Hamden County, Holyoke, Lawrence, and Northampton and Somerville are. Um, is this going to change? I mean, there's going to be pressure to... to Okay, I have a lot of things to say about sanctuary cities. (laughs) All right. And I'm going to try to make it very, very, very... Yes, just give me your high points. I think the whole point, the whole debate about sanctuary versus whatever you want to be calling yourself is completely, it's, it's ridiculous because we're talking about semantics here. And it's only playing into Trump's game. What you want to be is a city or a state that follows sanctuary cities policies. What you want to be called sanctuary city, call yourself whatever you want. But do not, you know, the, 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 at, the, at the end of the day, what matters is what policies you are following. You know, what you are directing your local enforcement authorities to do. Well, no, let me interrupt you to say that most people understand it to mean that there are some federal laws that are being ignored by cities and towns. And it's not true. And it's not true. And I'm going to tell you why. Yeah. ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, 
can do whatever they want already. They can yeah. come in and, and deport anybody. That's the power that they have. They don't need the local police. They don't need right. the state police. Okay? And so that's why the local police is not breaking any law by not uh, cooperating with them. It is voluntary. And so, you know, whether you call yourself sanctuary, whether you call yourself safe, it's completely, you know, it's, it's the wrong discussion. What, you, what we need to make sure of is that people understand that ICE can already do whatever they want. They can call, they can come in and deport every illegal. How do you think, remember the Bush administration, how were they deporting? It was raids. Remember all the immigration yeah. raids? They can do that. You know, and, and then they stopped doing it. There were immigration raids in the Obama administration. So, that so, too, so, that so, too. Me, so but, then just, they, but, but they were, they yeah, were relying on the local they police did. to do that. Yeah, yeah. I they know want their help, so, but they so, shouldn't need yeah. So the point is that if cities are determined to uh, resist, um, they're going to say, listen, um, we, are, we are not cooperating and that's okay, but mm -hmm. we understand that ICE can do whatever they want. Yeah. Or, okay. yeah. And ICE here's can the thing. come in and do whatever yeah. they want. They don't need the police to detain people. They, they want it because they know their communities and because they know who people are locally and they can detain somebody on a traffic violation. Well, that's but, a but there must be something to the naming because, uh, yes, Marcella, because, uh, because, it has, it has because its, who knows, history. Newton doesn't want to be a well, or they're oh discussing whether or not have, they want to be a sanctuary city. Can we just city. stop for a second? <laughs> yeah. The notion that Newton, Massachusetts, is having a discussion about sanctuary cities and immigration and not letting them in and you know in in the bastion of, of like the liberal metro west just blows my mind anyway but the point about sanctuary cities here's the thing trump won the debate like it, it sanctuary cities used to be this very like it, it's all about semantics like you say marcella it has yeah. it has grounds in you know we're talking about the 80s yeah the when 70s. people were were fleeing mm -hmm. like central american violence under reagan and people would go into churches so there's a movement and, and it had sort of this sense of like protection mm -hmm. and quote unquote christian-like values but what's happened is that trump has contaminated it by yeah. saying now you're now what's happened is these cities in trump's world you know the alternative facts are that all these urban centers are being overrun by a marauding like group of ISIS loving Latin American, mostly Mexican criminal aliens. And the citizens and, are standing in the way and, and people and, and, and protecting and, them. And the mayors of the and police are just kind of letting all this mm -hmm. like mayhem happen. And how can we live in this America? Let's just be real. The facts don't prove that. Mm -hmm. That's not true. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's the world that Trump lives in. Right. So then what happens in all this is that you have this fight now. Right. That you have to have Mayor Wall say, like, over my dead body. And mm. so it just plays into the yeah, Trump branding. Totally. Right. So, like, mm. I the get more it. that conversation stays I there. I get it. Yeah. yeah, I totally get it. But at the same time, what's not what cities are not doing. They're not putting immigrants up front. Yeah. So like Marty Walsh, like everyone talks about the viral video of Mayor Walsh, but like. I don't think I, if you if you surveyed people in the Boston area to understand what immigrants do to this this society, I they probably think that they commit crimes. Right. And so, like, how do you change that narrative and how do you go like, hey, without, you know, you love Boston, you love the waterfront, you love what's going on in this city. Guess what? If there were no immigrants like there'd be nothing.
You right? like going out to eat? Yeah, there would be nothing, <laughs> yes, right? right? So like me... that change, and that's how you fight sort yeah. of this sort of alternative facts world, right? Because Trump's winning that debate. Yeah, He's totally. It. One of the things that I want to say is perhaps is again the silver lining in all these conversations about what immigrants really mean to the city. Now we're forcing this conversation, right? right? And one of the biggest signs that I see from my post in the Boston Globe, Shirley Leong had a column on Friday. And we're talking about Shirley Leong. I love her. She's one of the you know most uh, popular columnists in the globe. Herself and um, you know I, I can't remember. She she was born here, but she's you know of Asian descent. Mm -hmm. So she had this column on the front page of the Globe on Friday about how immigrants run this city. Right. And so that's the that's a fact that I've known for years. That's right. a fact Julio knows for years. Right. You know it yes. for years. But now, but now it's in the mainstream. Yeah. Right. People are like, oh wow, never knew this. And so yeah. she cites all this. Right. Figures that we know by heart. Right, right. We know who runs the city. We know, you know, where all these people in Everett work. They support industry after industry after industry. And this is just, you know, low-income workers. You know, what about the scientists? All the, the well, I should say that uh, Kara Miller of our Innovation Hub's whole show this week yeah. is about innovation and immigration. It's coming into yes. the mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming. Which, right. And which so I, that's a good yeah. thing. That's a good thing that's coming out right. of this. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's because you see these protests. You see Copley Square. You see, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't remember Copley Square being as as, as crowded mm -hmm. as it was. And the other thing is it's like I don't think Boston's buying into Trump's like narrative of like, you know, and, and the fact that he uses Boston, the Boston tragedy as part of this, I think there's a lot of Bostonians out there who'd be like, don't gaslight this anymore, President Trump. This is my city and I understand that right. immigrants like are part of this. And I well, think that's changing. I, I, you pointed out, um, and others have now, going into the Super Bowl, uh, mm. that uh, Anheuser-Busch is sort yeah. of doing yeah. that as well in their ad showing that their right. founder came from right. across the way. And, you know, if we go back to our first conversation about this leaked memo, um, he'd have a hard time Getting They're, some work and can you imagine the world some without Budweiser? <laughs> yeah, let's just well, talk about the founder that. would have a hard time based on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that would be just no, a there's, little. There's an yeah. assault to those ideas. Right. This is a you know direct assault to those ideas and what America has been. So give me, let me uh, uh, ask you a really quick question. A bit back to the travel uh, ban. Um, there are some places, uh, many of them are places, as others have pointed out, that supported Hillary Clinton in the election, uh, where the attorneys general are fighting back. Ours. Is, is such a location because uh, Moore Healy has said, you know, this is unconstitutional and I'm going to to fight back against it. Um, I think we have just a little bit of sound from Moore uh, explaining. Whether it's the president of the United States or a federal agency uh, acting in a way that's unlawful or acting in a way that's unconstitutional, we will be prepared to take action. Just wanted to get your take on whether or not um, do you think that this combination of force from attorneys general will really actually result in something? Because they're basing this on illegality. You know? Who knows? I mean, that's the question. I've talked to several immigration lawyers about this issue, and, and I think they're both people are on the fence. It, 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 we're, we're in uncharted territory. Um, one of the points that I raise that gets a lot of people's like, hairs wrinkled a little bit um, and one immigration lawyer said it best, and I said this on In the Thick. It's like Obama and Bush made the turkey in terms of this sort of enforcement-heavy post-9-11 immigration poly, and Trump's eating it. Like, so it, it's really I, – I, I understand when you see, like, Clinton's – you know, people that are very partisan now reacting to the Trump thing. Right. But looking at where this has happened, you know, we're talking about years of mm – -hmm. this is just all coming to boil. Right. Um, 
my only my concern is that this is going to get too political and too partisan, and I don't yet. think. What do you but mean? But it's going to get even worse <laughs> when you get courts and ACLU okay. and all this. Right. I don't. I personally think that. I don't know if much will come out of it in terms of court decisions yeah, because there's plenty of immigration lawyers who said, you know what, Trump, um, he can do whatever he, he wants. Kinda does, he kind of does. He has You know, and there's yeah. if you look at the you know immigration laws from the '50s and mm -hmm. and all the clauses, um, it could be argued in court that what he's done is is perfectly constitutional. Yeah, and um, to, just to put an end point, mm. you know, why if Obama had tackled immigration reform. You know, right. as soon as he became president, right. we may be, you know, we would have been perhaps point. totally, yeah. completely, because yeah. you're right. He set the table. They, those policies, those, that, you know, that like putting it in the back burner set the table. And I get right. a lot of, I get right. a lot of shoes thrown at me when I say things like that. Kevin. No, but that's, and you know, that's truth. true. And, 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 and to be really political about it, the gang of eight, which was the bipartisan group of, of yeah. congresspersons got uh, ostracized and attacked yeah. for even talking you're about reform. Amnesty. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there you go. Um, one quick point about uh, Oscar Lopez Rivera, President Obama pardoned him. People were like, who is that? Turns out he's a, a guy that was a Puerto Rican, um, he was fighting for Puerto Rican uh, rights, and um, but he has a mixed uh, history. Yeah. I, I was actually in a conversation with somebody that pointed out Lynn Manuel's response to the pardon saying, great, our hero. And then other people say, what are you talking about? This was a murderous guy. Right. And you're doing a doc on Latino USA. Yeah, Latino him. USA, um, it, it's called uh, the USA versus mm -hmm. um, Oscar Lopez Rivera. It's basically a comprehensive history of why why some consider him a terrorist and some consider him a freedom fighter in terms of the fight for Puerto Rican independence. It's a very controversial subject, but what's happened is that you know, I can't explain the case in a couple of minutes. Right. It's, no, don't. But, yeah, but, but, yeah. but his sentence was commuted. Right. Like he was, and he's 72 years old He's 72 now, so years old. There was a lot yeah. of, like, mm -hmm. bombings in the 70s and mm -hmm. the 80s that was he linked to him, was he not? I, we get into all of that. But what, what I think what it, it speaks to the, the notion, which is the part that fascinates me, is, like, who gets to decide who a terrorist is? That's exactly is, right. So right. I, so I, who's I, yeah. a terrorist? Like, so yes. here's a 74-year-old, like, 72. 72, whatever, like, <laughs> Puerto Rican independence movement guy who's who's going back to Puerto Rico is he a threat to national security given like in the world right. of like pulling green fake massacres and yeah. ISIS like crossing the border like I think people like that is sort of like I, I, I don't may, know yes. I, you know it's a different yes. time in America yeah. but I, it just adds a lot of complexity to the issue I think it's important to, to take a look at it yeah. I just wanted you to mention that thank you and I want to wrap with something because I just have to be a little positive because I'm just so down in this conversation the US census data earlier this month Marcella yeah this was last year, last December yeah. Garcia has gone from yeah. the 18th oh, yes. most common name I in know. the country totally uh, to the Long sixth the most Garcia's, popular yes. Yes. so this is great. Hispanic yes. surnames oh my on God. the rise. I know. That's What's one happening? of the stories that have been sort of like under the radar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, for sure. You have no idea how many people have pointed that out to me. Uh, you know, and yet we're, you know, prosecuted in this country. But whatever. We're number six. So what do you think about that, both I think of that's you? great. Yeah, I think I that's too. great. You know what? It made me sort of like... Um, research a little bit where the name comes from and oh. of course it's from Spain because yeah. you know La Madre Patria the you know of course yeah. so but no I think it's it's great and I, I yet another sign or another you know reaffirmation of where we where we come from is this uh um Latino Smith so to speak kind of <laughs> you know kinda. yeah Varela definitely thought, is but I kind of thought that Garcia was most mostly Mexican but no it's everywhere it's oh, really no, everywhere it's everywhere, it's okay. everywhere. you I know mean, in Latin American it comes so from there, Spain so that just means that the, of all the possibilities of all the Spanish 
language surname, <laughs> yes. President Garcia is is, is probably going to get you raises on those. Lines. I guarantee you, it's not going to be me <laughs> right now. Maybe <laughs> my daughter somewhere right now. President <laughs> right. Garcia is in coming. school yeah. somewhere. Yes, <laughs> paying attention yeah. to all oh, of this. Oh yeah, awesome. oh yeah, awesome. And you heard it here first, Daggone. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. As we always, as you always do when it comes okay. to us. That's awesome. All right. Well, that makes me feel better. I thank you both for your insights and uh, comments. Thanks so much thank for joining you for, me. Thank you, Callie. Julio Ricardo Varela is a senior digital editor for the Vituro Media Group and the co-host of the In the Thick podcast. He's also a contributor to NPR's Latino USA and the founder of the website Latino Rebels. Marcela Garcia is a bilingual journalist and an editorial writer, columnist, and editorial board member for the Boston Globe. Coming up, in their time, Franklin Delano Roosevelt and his wife Eleanor enjoyed celebrity power couple status, but history tells us the first lady often felt lonely in her marriage. Instead, she found fulfillment in her decades-long friendship with AP reporter Lorena Hickok. Massachusetts author Susan Quinn captures the relationship in her latest book, Eleanor and Hick, The Love Affair That Shaped a First Lady. It's our February selection for Bookmarked, the Under the Radar Book Club. That's next. I'm Callie Crossley. This is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley.